We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Odo, and you're listening to episode 55, The Mediocre Designer Search. My name is David Seville, and I have co-designer Travis Sowers on the line with me this week. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, David. How are you? I'm great. Um, what's going on with you this week? Well, I, I've been streaming. I tried streaming some standard. I had some fun exploring standard, and I found finally found what it was that I needed to be doing to make Rivals an interesting draft format for me, and that was just switching to the competitive leagues. I, I can't really fall in love with the format. I, I still have all the criticisms that I've made for it before. However, when I can 2-1 and be up prizes and kind of fall in love with that competition level, it, it, it spikes the fun for me. So I, I think what this will do is that I'm probably done with the intermediate leagues. I was scared of the competitive leagues, not because of the competition, because I thought it was going to take five to 10 minutes for them to fire. As it turns out, it's about two to four minutes. And I can handle that. I grew up in the world of queues. So that, that doesn't bother me. So I, I drafted rivals most of the day today. And, and I mean, it, the set still is what it is, but it was magic and it was fun. And like, you know, when you're playing for, you know, two draft sets, like I can get into that. I can get into that. Nice. Put something on the line and it makes it a little bit more interesting for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my week was, uh, pretty light for magic this week. I ended up working a few nights. So, uh, but I did get to do my first, uh, excellent or my rivals of excellent paper draft on the weekend, which was interesting. So last week we talked about how, what would the format have been like if it was triple rivals first, obviously it needs more cards to be a bigger set. Um, and we actually ended up drafting triple rivals because the people voted that they didn't want to put the excellent pack in. So I got to draft basically the nut black white vampire deck in triple rivals and uh it's really tough to tell if it would have been a better format or not but um it was kind of cool the the tribal synergies felt a little more uh pronounced and that was probably just because of the lords like i ended up playing against a merfolk deck with a bunch of lords and obviously my deck had two lords and then the pirate deck with a lord and it was really cool that's neat that's it's yeah. kind of cool that we talked about it and then you kind of got to experience that what if land yeah, it definitely has the, the three small set problem, though. So I wouldn't suggest people do it um, outside of just for fun. Um, and But not opening the dud uh, Ixalan pack was very nice. Like, I didn't have the pack three sadness uh, that, that I do sometimes in, in the regular draft format. So it was cool. Three out it. Windmill slammed. Uh, what did I windmill slam first pick? Um, baffling end, believe it or not. I windmill slammed a baffling end and uh, just got past the nuts. So it was really good. I have also confirmed that uh, Tetzlamok is really, really good. It's kind of dumb, hey? I got Tetzlamok out and still won that game, but only because I had a bunch of tokens. Only reason. Yeah, it's really good. It's I think really good. I six for one an opponent with it today. So I almost built my own Profane Procession. Nice. For almost the same cost. Yeah, the cards are kind of surprisingly similar. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so this week, we are uh, going to talk about the Magic Online announcements that were released today, today being Thursday, the uh, the 8th of February. And uh, on top of that, uh, going back to the title, the Mediocre Designer Search, we are um, going to do a little bit of set design ourselves. So the Great Design the great designer Search is, is ongoing. They're in the third trial, which is whittled down to a 100 competitors and uh the the questions and the the sorry the essay questions and the the multiple choice test was really interesting to me and uh, and i followed along and i wish i could have participated but not being an uh, american i was not able to um that's the cost of freedom buddy that is the cost of universal health care but um and given our, our conversation last week about how uh you know, would the, would this format have been better if it had been reversed? And, and I've always kind of dabbled in, in board game design and, and video game design here and there as a hobby. So we thought, and actually it was a recommendation of uh, a suggestion of a topic by Scott Vance in your chat. Let's uh, 
let's maybe design a set. Um, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to take an hour and at a high level design a set, which is really more like talking about what we want to see in a draft format. If we were building the perfect draft format for us, it's going to be a bit of an improv exercise. We haven't really talked about it all that much. So I think it'd be a really cool, uh, cool little fun exercise as we kind of drudge our way through the, uh, the Ixalan format here and waiting for, uh, for masters and for return to Dominaria and all that jazz. And also the exciting stuff that's coming up on Magic Online. So let's just dive right in. Let's start with the Magic Online announcements. Sounds good to me. All right. So they did a lot of stuff about like the the year in review and some things that they thought went well and some things that they thought went poorly. Um, They mentioned something about 1v1 Commander Leagues not being as popular as they had expected and that they're having some trouble with those firing. That's not really my thing, but I'm, I'm glad that they're looking into that for the people who play it. And they listed a bunch of things that they looked at as as successes, uh, including the classic frame Power 9 and Vintage Masters flashbacks. I would love to see more Vintage Masters flashbacks. Oh, my God. Just make that an eternal format and have it always there. And I will always do that. And they mentioned the Playpoint bundles, which I, I think is interesting because that's kind of further decoupling this from a, a paper economy, which overall I think is a good thing, although I'm looking for Arena to push that more than Magic Online. Um, they did mention that there are still some bugs there. Like one of the reasons I finally went back to, to try rivals in the competitive league is I'd been just drafting hour of devastation and ambuscade is bugged. What's wrong with it? Uh, it fights and then gives your creature the plus one plus of when did they break that? That, that was not broken during the actual draft format, right? No, it was not, but it was three weeks ago I was playing and actually one of my viewers was playing against me and he used ambuscade and it didn't work. I was like, what just happened? I was like, okay, I, I know this guy. It's one of my viewers. I'm just not going to attack or block with this creature that should be dead. And I told him that. And then I drafted the card and played it and it did the same thing. And Ray, you remember Ray's been on the podcast, mentioned that, hey, don't draft Ambuscade. It's bugged. So like th- th- there's still some bugs in Magic Online. And they've said that they're going to try to like work on them and get more of them fixed faster. But I mean, it's a huge program and it's doing a bunch of very complicated things. And some of it's broken. And I would guess that fixing a draft format that, you know, me and six other people are drafting once every two hours is probably not on their top list of priorities. Yeah. To be fair, um, you know, while there are bugs uh, in the software, it's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. Like it used to be that we talked about it all the time and it was a problem. And now it's it is a problem sometimes, but it's nowhere near as frequent as it used to be. So they're definitely making progress there. I agree. I'm very happy with where Magic Online is now, and I'm very happy to be a Magic streamer. Now, this moves us to the stuff they're looking at for this year, and some of it got me really excited. Um, It's particularly this quote, we're exploring what new limited play types we might be able to add, either as crazy sealed deck events like the Battle of the Plains from last year, or draft events. Did someone say chaos draft? I believe that was on our Christmas wish list two years in a row. It was, it was. And what I really want is for me to be able to take three packs of whatever I want and join a queue with my friends. I I don't know if we're getting that. Like a lot of the other stuff they're talking about is a push towards Phantom. So they may actually design chaos drafts that are different packs for every person. But honestly, however they do this, I'm very interested in checking it out. It, yeah, chaos drafts would be super cool. That's just something you can just do when you're bored of a format. It's almost like a cube, right? Yeah. It's like a weird low power cube. And it's fun to see those interactions. One of my favorite like paper memories in in recent years was at GP Montreal. I brought just a bunch of packs that I had and it happened to be um, like Oath of the Gatewatch, um, Battle for Zendikar and a bunch of M and Ket stuff. And we did, and you know, a random origins pack here, a random shadows pack here. And it, it was neat to see the the deserts going into the decks that had Eldrazi and could use the colorless mana from like the hostile desert and stuff. And the blue red spells deck from shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon actually played really well with the blue red spells stuff from Emin Ket. And like I was playing against my friend Martin and he cast the blood rage brawler, you know, the four, three that makes you discard a card and then paid the madness cost. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> It's just neat to see these <laughs> mechanics interacting with each other. And that's the type of weird stuff you get in chaos draft. So how, however they're doing, I, I know how I want it to be, but however it ends up, I'm very interested in trying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, it, it could go a bunch of different directions and they'll listen to feedback. Like 
a lot of this stuff that they're looking at doing is either based on feedback that they got or experimenting and looking for feedback. So I think they just listened to the podcast and knew that you and I wanted it. Did, did you do the uh, Battle of the Plains sealed decks when those were around? No, I didn't. What was the story with those? I did one of each of them. Um, it was basically like, here's six packs from a plane. So like right. Mirrodin, they, they gave you a pack from each of them. There was an Innistrad one with a pack from each of them. And I just played through one of each of them. And it, it was kind of fun. Like it wasn't particularly balanced because some of the planes were clearly better than others. Like if you weren't picking Mirrodin or Innistrad, I believe were the, the two by the end we figured out were the strong ones. Don't hold me to that. I don't remember. But it, at the time there was an obvious, th- these cards are better than those cards, but it was still kind of neat to see what you faced up against. Mm-hmm. So what are they? So that's, that's last year, but then they talk about their, uh, their 2018 schedule. And uh, what has you excited out of the 2018 schedule? There's a, there's actually something that doesn't have me excited. And I want to mention that first. Um, coming back on February 14th is the throwback Ravnica standard gauntlet. I don't quite know who this is for these standard gauntlets. Like one of the things I'm going to be a grumpy old man for a minute. One of the things that I thought was really cool that they've done exactly once was the pro tour gauntlet. I was like, what a great introduction to standard. There was just a pro tour. I'm thinking I might like to try standard and here's join a league, try a deck and see what it's like against other pro tour final of decks. Like that was awesome. I got the the zombies deck and I played it and I built it and I took it to the mocks and I did well in the mocks. And like, I got into standard because of that. And here it's like, Hey, play standard from eight years ago. Yeah. It's not even decks. It's not even decks you'd play in modern or anything like that. Right. Like it's just, it's kind of like what the what's the point. It's really a nostalgia thing, I guess. If you're playing standard at that time, maybe, um, this one though just, I, is a, is a is a throwback because they had to bring it down previously, right? Due to bugs, so they they launched it. It didn't work. They took it down and said it was coming back. And this is them bringing it back. I just I hope that this is something that they'll consider getting rid of. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if there was a Pro Tour gauntlet after the modern Pro Tour? Like, I would be in that queue right now. Yeah, we wouldn't be. We'd have to skip the podcast because I'd be like, I got to try this. Like it was such a good deal to get to try all those decks and play around with it. It was a, a lot of fun. And this one just doesn't incentivize me. So if you're actually somebody who's looking forward to this, um, send me a tweet and let me know why. I, I really want to understand it because I feel like it's design space and an event space that they could do so much more with. So I'll let my rant go there because I'm actually very excited about what they have coming next. They're doing uh, from February 21st to 28th, Theros Phantom Flashbacks. Triple Theros. Bestow all the things. I can't wait. Sorry. Yeah, I'm cl- that was a really fun format. I'm closing my eyes and I'm picturing. I remember, I don't remember if it was Triple Theros, or if it was Theros pre-release or if it was the next one. So uh, Born of the Gods, where I have a picture on my Twitter feed that is like a creature with like five things stacked on it. <laughs> it's like Voltron up and I won that one too. I think I won the whole pre-release went 4 and 0 or whatever, but like Theros block was my first foray into what I would describe as like competitive limited where I'm like playing to win. Um I played limited before that um in the RTR block and it was more learning and just a way to get cards and I didn't really care if I won or lost. And then I realized that, Hey, I can maybe try to be good at this game. Um, and Theros was the first one that I drafted online. It was the first one that I made draft videos for, uh, to review myself. It was the first draft set that I started tracking my win rates in on magic online. Um, and it was the first ones that I religiously went to paper drafts whenever they fired, uh, at our, at our local game store here. So I have a very fond memories of Theros I don't remember how good I was at it, was uh, how good I was at it. Um, I can look back at my spreadsheet and, and see, um, but but I am looking forward to drafting hopeful idolons till the day I die, or till the end of the format. Wing, Wingsteed Riders for me. Um, I'm very excited about Theros. I guess we have our podcast topic for next week. Uh, I think it's important to reference here that these are phantom flashback drafts, and they've said they're going to do that for the flashbacks going forward. The prize structure is basically the same as the cube drafts that they've done in the past. So you're breaking even at two wins and ahead at three wins. That's not a great structure, but that's way better than how they were when these were paper. Because in so many of these paper, I mean, like 
actual non-phantom, I suppose. But like so many of these old sets, there's like one $30 card in it. And then the rest of it is just worth nothing because it's not redeemable anymore. So like I, for one, am very excited to see this as a phantom event. That means I can sit down and grind it because like Theros packs are worth basically nothing now. That is correct. Now, this one does have the option of paying with two event tickets and two Theros booster packs. So they're probably all sold out, all the bots, or at least the prices are like ridiculous now because of this announcement. But if you still have Theros packs sitting around that you've never opened or sold because they were worth 30 cents, there's a couple of free entries or almost free entries for you uh, into these events. So if you have those packs kicking around, go take a look at your Magic Online account, turn them into play points. Yeah, and have some fun drafting a great format while you're doing it. It um, is, and we will be doing a flashback show next week for that, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. And nice. it, it's also weighted in such a way that like even one win gives you some of your entry back and zero win gives you 10 play points. So it's really like 90 play points to enter because you're going to get 10 back just for finishing a league, even if you, you know, owe three it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think this is pretty good value. $9 drafts is what I you're getting here. I should have looked at the GoatBot EV calculator, but I want to say like a 50% win rate uh, comes in at around six tickets per draft or like five tickets per draft. I forget what it was, but but somewhere it's it's far less than the 10 tickets it looks like up front or the 100 play points to play. If you have like a 50% win rate, you're drafting for four or five dollars. Yeah, which is a which great is, deal, which is not bad. Okay. Now, next up, they've said that they want to look at different iterations of Cube and have Cube more often, which is something that certainly has me excited. We're going to see the Legacy Cube, which is my current favorite cube, come back March 28th, excuse me, February 28th to March 16th. Then the 16th through April 4th, we have Masters 25. No real news on that yet, but I expect we'll start seeing spoilers soon. I imagine we'll have Phantom versions of that too, if, if you don't care about the cards. April 4th through 20th, we've got the Modern Cube coming back. That is where the highlight from my stream that has had the most views has come from. You've seen the conscripts kill. I was there. You were there in chat when I, my opponent attacks with, was it, what's the guy that mills you? One of Kozilek? the Emmer- Or no, um, Ulamog. Nulamog. Nulamog. Okay, so they attack with Nulamog. I have 21 cards in my deck. Everyone says, Scoop, don't show them your deck. I said, my opponent also, for what it's worth, has 20 cards in their deck. I said, my last card could be Zealous Conscripts because it's in the deck. And if it is, I'll just take their dude and mill them out on their turn. So one in 21 chance. And uh, there he was. Go go find that in the highlights. It was a good one. And then April 20th, Dominaria begins. So it's like, there's plenty of stuff for me to do if I don't want to play Rivals. And I kind of don't. So there's plenty of stuff for me to be excited about. I just got to draft Rivals for another week and a half and... We're off to Theros. Coast into the sunset into Dominaria. Yeah, I have high hopes for Dominaria. I kind of need this one to be really good. Yeah, it's been a been a bit of a dry spell for uh, for top level magic sets, I would say. Which is funny because it's only really been two. But I guess if you yeah, throw in like if you throw in like cube for me and like kind of yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a dry spell. Well, I I think that this was the biggest like incentive to switch to the one set blocks that I've ever heard. Cause like I didn't like Ixalan and I was not hopeful that rivals would do much for it. And I mean, it, it is a more interesting format and there are some differences. There just weren't enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's better to be like a whole brand new set as opposed to rebuilding off of an existing set and having everything have to play with the old set. I, I can buy that. So, but yeah, Dominaria will be our first single set uh, block in a while since uh, I guess the origins set. Yeah, and like they've also said they're going to return to core sets. I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with those. I wouldn't mind something like Origins, but like tell us the story of of you know the tier two planeswalkers. I want to know where Johnny came from. Like I, I understand it was Alara or whatever, but like give me some more background. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we'll have a we'll have a podcast on our hopes for Dominaria sometime soon. I am sure. Yep, I want to see Teferi back as a planeswalker, and yes lore people i understand that he lost his spark but he could regain it maybe it was behind the couch the whole time maybe it was locked on ixalan it could have been it could have been you don't know i I don't know i don't know anything about how the spark works okay so mtgo aside this is normally a digital strategy podcast but we're going to kind of flex our creativity and our improv side here and we are going to design for you in the next 40 some minutes 
a brand new, the next greatest magic set from a limited perspective. So we, some, some people have complained about Ixalan, you know, you've said some, some things about that you don't like about Ixalan. I've said some things that I don't like about Ixalan. So I figured maybe we should put our money where our mouth is. And if we're going to, you know, if we're going to dislike a format for reasons, why don't we come up with something better? Um, now I know that wizards can't listen to this and they can't really, they're not allowed to steal our ideas, but I'm going to preface this with like, if they're my ideas, go ahead and steal them all you want, because I think I got some great ideas here. <laughs> and so modest, so modest. Um, no, but I think it'll be a fun exercise. Um, it, it, it'll, it'll, we can, like I said, we can frame it from the perspective of what we like about draft formats and what we think would make the perfect draft format. So basically, okay. let's just rattle off some topics here. We'll spend the next 40 minutes kind of brainstorming here, and hopefully we come up something with something good at the end. So first things first, we got to talk about the theme. So going into the set, how do we want to approach the design? Um, you know, do we have a, 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 wor- a world, a story we want to tell, a planeswalker we want to follow? What do you think? You know, I, this is basically coming to like top-down design ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's what they've done recently with magic is like they come up with the story first and then find the cards to tell that story. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I also think that there's something to be said for bottom up design in that you build an awesome gameplay experience and then you try to tell a story around that. And I I think Blizzard usually does that. Like I play World of Warcraft and one of the things they're famous for is like if they want to do something cool and it doesn't make sense in the lore, they're like too bad. This kind of doesn't make sense in the lore, but it's totally happening. We want time traveling orcs. So here you go. That's what we have now. And pandas, because it's going to be fun, right? And that's what their focus is. A good game first and the the fun second. So like, I'm happy to talk about a setting, but like as, as soon as we have like a fun idea that'll scrap it, I say scrap it. I want fun over, over setting. Okay. And I mean, you and I can take, I think the theme and, and take it or leave it sometimes, you know, like, like sometimes the, the story and the art and things like that doesn't matter. And we just want gameplay experience. I think the theme and, and the story and stuff can be extra and it can enhance. It's almost like the seasoning on your steak, but sometimes just the plain steak is fine too. I, I do need the theme though. I'll be honest. Like one of a set has to have one of two things for me to be into it. Interesting gameplay or a very compelling story. So like, I think Kaladesh is an example of somewhere that didn't have a, a compelling story for me, but the gameplay was interesting. So I was ready to go. Amonkhet by itself, like drafting triple Amonkhet, did not have an interesting gameplay pattern to me. But for whatever reason, I've always been into Egyptian mythology. So the story was great. And then take something like Khans, where there was a compelling story and compelling gameplay. That's what makes that a hit, I think, in so many people's books. The same could be said about Hour of Devastation and, and even original Innistrad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's start then from, from the bottom up. Um, what what kind of, of gameplay experience, what are the core things you think you would look for in a new set if you were designing it? So I can think of one for me, for example, would be I would want more skill testing decisions or more meaningful decision points in a in a game of magic so i want my i want my cards to make me make decisions and allow me or my opponent to potentially make mistakes they might not be like critical mistakes that cause you to lose the game but they can be small uh not optimal lines of play um or you know taking risks and and maybe um not taking a certain action earlier in the game at the risk of you know, potentially not being able to play a card later in the game or something like that. So I want, um, I want interesting decision points at as many points in the game as possible. Something like split cards and fuse cards can give you something like that. Mm-hmm. Do I play it early for this cheap version and and get an effect, or do I save it until I can pay the whole cost and get an effect? Like mm-hmm. for for me, there's some non-interesting decisions that I've bumped into, and I, I'll use rivals as an example. I've picked certainly picked on it enough. But like when your blue red opponent attacks a three, three into your three, three, it's like, well, do I block and see if they have the sure strike or the Buccaneers bravado or do I not and see if they have the raid mana war? And it's like, it, it kind of doesn't matter because you sort of get punished either way. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, to me, that's not a real interesting decision. So I, I would like for there to be combat tricks and, and bounce creatures. I, 
maybe I just don't like the raid mechanic, but I, I could see things that like you can play them early at a discounted rate and get a lesser effect or save them for later and get a, a better effect. Uh, you know, we see that with mechanics like kicker. Um, we see similar things to like that in morph, but I, I think that goes in a different direction, which I'm sure we'll talk about too, but like mm-hmm. something like kicker or split or fuse cards could do that. Okay. Um, another thing that I think I would like to see, uh, and I think that makes for a good uh, draft format is, uh, something to do with your mana, um, whether that be repeatable effects or, you know, kicker, like you talked about or something like that, right. Where if you're flooding out, um, and, and you, you top deck, maybe a two or a three drop late in the game, um, you can have twos and threes that aren't necessarily dead in the late game. And we saw that in the, uh, Gatewatch, uh, Oath of the Gatewatch block with the eight mana activation or was it, were they eight mana act? Yeah, they were yeah, eight mana the activation, right? Yeah, the invokers. Um, and we have a couple of those in the rivals block, but they, not all, not all of them are very good. I think maybe just the one was, was they, actually decent. They also sacrificed themselves to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realized how important this was when someone came into my chat today and I was drafting rivals and they said, do you think this is a 16 land format? And I was like, that is never a question that I'm ever asking about a new format. What I'm always asking is, is this an 18 land format? Because like, there's very few mechanics. Like, what's the variance in magic? It's mana screw and mana flood. It, mm-hmm. That's it, right? There's very few mechanics that can save you if your mana screwed, right? We've seen some very cheap cyclers can do that. But typically, if, if you're not going to use cycling, there's not a way to save you from not having enough lands. So what you can do instead is have mana sinks in your deck and kind of prepare yourself for flood. So be like, I'm going to play 18 lands. I'm probably going to flood out. Let's make sure I've got something to do, maybe a repeatable effect for four, six, eight mana, whatever it is, so that when I flood out, I can use this. Because if you play 18 lands, you're very rarely going to get mana screwed. So like, I think many of my favorite formats have been ones that defaulted to 18 lands. And I, I think that's the reason you you kind of eliminate some of that variance of screw and flood and you get to play more magic. Okay. I think the last uh kind of theme that i would like to see um if i was picking three i think three is a good number for me um is i would like to see in the draft portion being able to pivot between color pairs um and what i mean are like and also straddle color pairs as well and i think this comes from uh cons it comes from uh a lot there's a lot of cards in in formats that are you know focused on two colors where you can be drafting green and then there are green black cards you can go down and there are green white cards you can go down right and if you if you focus on drafting green early you can kind of go either direction and pack two depending on what you're past or it's less of a risk if you're drafting green with a couple of black cards and then all of a sudden you get past a good green white card and you're like well that's not too hard of a splash because i'm already solidly green yeah and i think having the color pairs all of them viable and not super linked. Like one of the things that, uh, uh, again, I'm going to pick on rivals, right? Like I start drafting green cards and I end up with a bunch of merfolk. I can pair that with red, but that's not really what green red wants to be doing. Cause then I'm going to get the two, two knights in the second pack that want me to have dinosaurs and I'm going to have pounce and my stuff's just not big enough. And it kind of gets awkward. So I, I think having the cards not linked to specific tribes again, in the colors is a good thing. Um, it it kind of reminds me of how Ravnica was, like Return to Ravnica specifically, mm-hmm. where there really weren't 10 color pairs. There were only five. Mm-hmm. The other ones just simply didn't exist. Or you could do, you know, four or five color shenanigans, which is, I think, what saved that format and made it fun for me. So, like, it also sounds like you're interested in having a format with decent fixing. And, like, I would petition Watsy personally to just put Evolving Wilds in every set from here till the end of time, because why not have that? It's nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good segue kind of into my, unless you have any other themes, mechanical themes, gameplay themes that you'd like to focus on. I want mana sinks. I want, because that gives me an excuse to play more lands. I want cards that have something like kicker or fuse or split cards so that I can have some interesting decisions there. And I'd I'd like to not have snowball-y mechanics. Mm -hmm. Like, I suppose that's another thing that bugs me a little bit is that I don't like Theros. It's weird to be excited about Theros and then complaining about playing creatures with um, enchantments on them. Cause that's all that Theros was. 
but it was also kind of packed with ways to deal with that. Like if that's what your opponent was doing, you could have cards that were good against it. There was a one mana one one death touch in green. It's like sure, pile whatever you want on that thing. I'll block it. Yeah. So I I I think I let's also just take hexproof off the table. That's not a fun or interesting mechanic. Okay. Like if if that was just banned for magic, I think I'd be happy. Okay. So no snowbally effects, which is fine. So that means that um, you know, being able to pile on a one with the wind on a two drop um is not not great but and also maybe our removal needs to be a little bit better um if we're going to to look at ending those early game kind of snowballs or like you know if you're if your opponent plays like a chupacabra like uh or something on you you know you need to have a way to be able to not be so far behind after that like if in rivals if your opponent goes chupacabra into you know, a man of war or whatever, the dead eye rig hauler, like you're not winning that game. You have, you have no, no cards on the table and your opponent probably has three and you're going to play your, your four drop again on turn five or six. And it's pretty much game over at that point. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I, th- I think that's a good place to start. So you mentioned, I, I don't, th- I, I want to interject here in that. I, I don't think removal necessarily needs to be better. One thing Watsi has done lately is made creatures better and removal worse and I'm not necessarily opposed to that design shift. Like I'm not one of these guys. that's like, we should have doom blade at common. Like that's a different play experience. It, it's one that I enjoy, but I also like this one. I don't need removal to be amazing. I just want to be able to block. Okay. Right. Like I want it to be reasonable. If, if my opponent has a three, three and I have a three, three that like, I'm going to be able to interact in combat by blocking with my creatures. So less menace, less unblockable. I think is also on the table then and, and maybe mechanics that don't punish you for blocking. Yeah. Like I'm okay with flying and I'm even okay with menace, but like straight up unblockable creatures. Mm, We, and we saw a lot of menace early menace in, in, uh, in rivals, obviously. Right. So, um, yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, so let's go down the fixing road then the colors. So, are we looking at like, would, do you like the two color formats, the three color formats, like cons? Do you like something where five colors is always an option? What, what do you think the fixing should look like in your ideal draft set? Or I guess in this set, what should we call this set? Do we have a name for it? I guess we don't. We'll sort that out when we get the theme and we'll, we'll wrap that up at the end. It'll be fine. I, I, I honestly don't care about that part. You can have some input here, right? Like, I'm interested for there to be enough fixing that I can splash a card if I want to. And for me, I'm very like picky about when and how I'll splash. If I don't have three sources, I'm not splashing. And if I'm playing three cards of a different color, that's not a splash. You're playing three colors. So something like Evolving Wilds is good enough for me. But if somebody wants to design a set around wedges or shards or anything like that, that's absolutely fine. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I think the difference between the the wedge or the shard set and a two color set is where your um, dual lands are. So in cons and and three other three color formats, I think you had the common dual lands. Your guild gates and things like that were at common. Um, mm-hmm. And then in rivals, for example, your your lands are at rare and uncommon instead. I kind of like having the dual lands at uh, at uncommon. Um, or sorry, I should say common because it encourages branching out and doing more of those things, but that does eat up slots of, you know, where you can put actual useful cards. Um, and then when, and when you can be three colors easily, you know, everybody's three colors easily. And all of a sudden now your draft is, you know, less drafting a direction and more just drafting good cards. Yeah, and you also get a situation when you have that level of fixing at common where you just, if you have a pack with a powerful card, you take the powerful card. If you don't, you take the land. Mm -hmm. And then you end up taking eight land in pack one and then packs two and pack three are wide open. Yeah, like I've had cons drafts. I can remember back in the day where my first eight picks were lands and then just the rest of the packs I opened, I took the best card out of them. Yeah, I think, you know, Wizards going forward could probably just do like Evolving Wilds at common and then five you know, five of your lands, whether they be allied or, or enemy pairs at, um, at uncommon. And that would probably satisfy most draft formats color wise. I'd certainly satisfy me. I, I liked the duels at uncommon personally, because I mean, you don't see them that often. Um, and it's a decision to take it over something else to be like, I'd like to have good manner, or I'd like to open up the splash, or I'd like to have the C plus card for my deck. And I, I, enjoy, 
I enjoy meaningful decisions in the draft portion as well. Those cards also, um, like they got passed more frequently, obviously than the ones at common, um, because it was more of a risk, I think, um, cause you weren't necessarily going to see a lot of these lands come around to you. So, you know, if you open one at uncommon, you're less likely to take it early. Um, whereas if it's a common, you're like, well, I can easily get three more colors in the same shard or the same wedge or something like that and not even blink and get in yeah. and get into pack two and be open to any direction. So I think it was more of a gamble to take them early in a pack like rivals or in a, a format like mm-hmm. rivals. So, okay. Um, let's, uh, I want to get into the meat of it here because I think this is where we could really come up with some, some cool brainstorm ideas here. And, um, and this is the mechanics. So I have placeholders for, I want to say four mechanics and I th- we'll see where we go with this one. But um, the first one I want to talk about is potentially returning mechanics. So we usually see returning mechanics in sets. You know, we had cycling. What was it? This one raid, which was a cons mechanic. Go figure. Cause we don't like raid as much in this set, but I kind of liked it in cons. But we, yeah, it was good there. It's very rare that we see three or four, you know, totally new mechanics and then nothing else that's been repeated. So I think the obvious answer here is cycling However, you and I talked about it before and we're like, let's not do cycling, but we wanted to mention it here where I think that's the obvious choice because that reduces variance. Um, it, which then increases the skill of the format, which is something that we like. And, and I think that appeals, it lessens the flood, lessens the screw, uh, which appeals to a lot of players. Um, and hour of devastation was just obviously great because of the cycling, but it's, it's too easy. So we're not going to do that. It is. So what what are some good mechanics from Magic's past that you think could fit into a skill testing set such as this, you know, that, that fit in that that theme of, I mean, you mentioned split cards, but things you can do with your mana, interesting decision points, potentially two colors, you know, what are those options? I feel like fuse cards are actually a really good one. We've seen those before in Dragon's Maze block, and those were kind of cool where you've got a split card or you can cast both sides of it. You could do one for each color pair. Um, and end up with stuff like, well, I'm red, but I'm not green, but I'm interested in the red side of the spell. And then if I'm red green or I can splash for the green, it's even better because I can cast both halves of it. And then like, if I'm in a red green deck, it's the decision, do I want to cast this now or wait until I can cast both sides of it? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's interesting. And like flashback is another one that kind of eliminates some of that. Like it gives you an incentive to play more lands, but I feel like that's been beaten to death too. Because we've we've had flashback recently, and then we had flashback on creatures in aftermath, which was functionally the same thing. But okay. I feel like fuse is a good one, and then kicker's potentially another one. We've also seen evoke in the past, and we haven't done that in a, a long time. Like creatures with enter the battlefield abilities, and you you can either cast them for cheap just to get the enter the battlefield trigger, or cast them for a, a higher amount to get the creature and the trigger. That leads to a lot of two for ones, which would make those those cards obviously very strong. You've heard of Muldrifter before. Like, there's a reason it's it's so good. If you're stuck on lands, it's a divination. If you're not, it's a three for one. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the mechanics that I liked uh, from the past that um, I think would be interesting to see at any set in the future is uh, exploit. Um, and the reason I liked exploit is because there were usually decisions to make, not necessarily in gameplay, but definitely around your deck design and when, when you're drafting um you know if you have a good exploit creature do you take a piddly two drop that is sacrifice fodder or do you take something else for your deck um and you can kind of build these mini combos with your exploit creatures i think the problem with exploit though is that it was 99 percent of the time correct to exploit yeah uh, is what it felt like so there's not not necessarily a lot of decisions there to be made in game, except do you cast this when you don't have anything to exploit to exploit versus do you hold it so you can actually get some value off of the exploit. But uh, it opened up some shenanigans, you know, the red, black, steal your guy, uh, exploit type thing. Um, That's essentially the same mechanic as evoke though. That was my criticism. A bit of, of exploit is like, it was just a, a different way to do evoke. So you had to line up two creatures. It was kind of fun too. And we saw something similar to that with emerge, right? Like find the creature that wants to be sacrificed with the death trigger and then find the creature that wants to kill something either by emerging it or exploiting it. So we've, we've seen stuff similar to that played out. I wouldn't be sad to see exploit again. And you're right. It, it made you do some very interesting things in building your deck, but the gameplay, it was almost always, yeah, I'll exploit the thing mm-hmm. and I'll exploit my worst creature to get this effect. I think the most interesting part about uh, emerge was that it made the expensive creatures with 
mediocre enter the battlefield effects so much better um yeah like there was the four mana two two draw card which i guess was fine but you're like you're not terribly excited to do it but once you start or wait am i thinking it was that in the exploit set you know the one that i'm talking about maybe i have it wrong actually i think, I think there was one of those in both there was a dude that died into drawing a card in uh eldritch moon maybe that's the one that i was thinking of yes and there's a guy that died to draw two cards in uh cons i think i can't remember it's been a long time it's been man. a long time anyway anyway um but you but you know you had to put these potentially cost ineffective creatures in your deck um but they turned out really good with emerge for example or with exploits so uh it was interesting to deck deck building decisions but it was quite infrequently where it made a difference in your gameplay your lines are very common um okay let's bring exploit back you want to br- put this in our set you want to do exploit okay cool although i do really like fuse too fuse is cool maybe we can do two returning mechanics fuse and exploit okay okay um so new mechanic ideas and this is just this is just a brain dump um i thought of this one on the way home the other day and uh and i thought it was really cool actually i was so interested in it as i was driving home is that i got home and i wrote it down right away so i wouldn't forget it so you talked about kicker and there's a joke that everything is kicker or like most mechanics are just kicker (laughs) they kind of are they kind of are right like i forget i forget how the joke goes but it's everything is either kicker or blank and i can't remember what the blank is maybe it's cycling everything's either kicker or cycling um but the mechanic i was thinking of is um when it it goes on creatures i'm going to call it uh copy for now because i can't think of a better name for it but you play your creature and as you cast it you can pay its copy cost and if you do you create a token of it a copy of it so i think this is an interesting design space where you can you can uh take any combination of of casting cost and creature throw some enter the battlefield effects on some of them and then you can you know either make it cheap on the front end for for a bad creature and expensive on the on the top end to make two of them or vice versa you can make your your initial creature really expensive but your copy really cheap so a really good example of this one is um you know something that draws cards let's say so so you would say uh a blue two two that when it or a blue one one that when it enters the battlefield it draws a card right you would cost that at two mana or three mana in today's set right we have the dusk legion zealot which is two mana and it pings you for one. Yeah, an Elvish Visionary we've had before. Right, too. exactly, right? So you wouldn't cast that or uh, cost that at two mana if, if you were able to make a copy of it. What you would do is you would cast it or cost it, let's say, at like four or five mana, but then you would make the copy version of it really cheap. So let's say now it's a four mana 1-1 one, one that draws a card when it enters the battlefield, but maybe it's six mana to make two of them. So now it's six mana, make two 1-1s, one, draw two cards. Very interesting card there. That's a card where you're most yeah, likely... Yeah, you've got some design space there. You're most likely to play that one on the expensive side, but if you have to play a chump blocker or you need to draw your fifth land, you can play it for four mana and be kind of sad about it, right? And you could have some fun too, like a grizzly bear that also has, you know, four mana make a copy. Ex- so for, you know, two mana, you get a bear. For six mana, you get two of them. Think about your your two drops are now really decent top decks in the late game when you're empty handed, right? Yeah. Right now, you're sad to draw two two vigilance on turn nine when your opponent's staring you down with a, a board of five or six dinosaurs. But if you could make two two twos for six, you're not doing anything else with your mana anyway. So we're going to call this mechanic either recruit or conscript. Ooh. And the idea is we've got something similar to the Roman Legion fighting off the barbarians. And this is the mechanic for that side where they're like bringing more forces to bear. I like it. And we're also going to be very careful as we're designing the story that neither side is the bad guy and both sides are the bad guys. Right. Yeah. There's your bottom up design right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is a, a mechanic that would probably go in white, green, and either maybe red or blue, depending, or it could even go in all colors. I see that if it was in black, it's more like a, a raising the dead type thing, right? You you make a zombie and you make a second zombie. So I think it's something that you could shoehorn in anywhere in any of your color combinations if you if you wanted to. And if you're going to make that your mechanic, like you can have that there on some of the colors and then have other creatures that come with a friend. Like I remember Zathred Necromancer from the past. It's like when you play it, if a human died, you get a zombie token. So you could have some mechanics in the colors that don't get this that still give you some tokens if a condition is met. Okay. 
Yeah, and then you could have an overall token theme as well if you really wanted to, because the copies would be tokens. Your maybe your other colors, your blacks make zombie tokens. Uh, you know, your red makes goblin tokens and things like that. I think that's that's. I I, I was really kind of pleased coming home and thinking about that one because I think it's like the mechanic that has a lot of design space. You can go a lot of different directions, and I mean, we all love enter the battlefield effects. So. I think I think that would be a really cool one, um, and I hope that somebody's at, somebody at Wizards is listening because I think that would be a really cool mechanic to steal. Yeah, I would be down with that one. We're going to have to make sure that removal is sufficiently am- able to get us two for ones reliably. Mm-hmm. If every creature, well, I understand not every creature is going to be a two for one. Like this mechanic could appear primarily at uncommon and still be pretty darn good, but you would have to design your removal around being aware of that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've seen combat tricks that give plus one, plus one to two creatures or plus two, plus two to two creatures. So I think you can you can do things like that where you're um, building in potential for two for ones, um, but also still being OK to play as a one for one um, yeah. if you don't have the creatures or, or things like that to do it on. But yeah, you know, like uh, two damage to each creature. We've seen board wipes like that in the past and, and things like that, I think would be really cool. Okay, I'm down. Okay. Um, what else? And actually, interesting, we, we chose exploit. Um, I didn't actually try to, to ram it in this direction, but exploit plays really well with this too because you can sacrifice the extras. Yeah, and that could be the other mechanic of the the empire. Like they bring people in and they exploit them to, to get the benefit. Ooh, We'll have to figure out a a mechanic for the barbarians or whatever. They're going to be shamans and they're going to make elemental tokens, but we'll we'll get this all sorted out. Okay. Um, Mana sync ideas, I think. Um, What about something like a repeatable effect that this is kind of like monstrous, which is because interesting because we were just talking about Theros, some kind of repeatable effect that you can only do a certain number of times. I'm thinking of like the 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 cards from Amon Ket block where like you did them three times and then they they you know flipped into their final or they went to their final form and you couldn't do them anymore but you still had an effect out of them. I don't know if I want to take it that far, but what if you had like uh, uh, quest counters? Uh, what, what was the format? That was a Zendikar thing, right? That was a Zendikar thing. Yeah, uh, we had ordeals in Theros, which is so mm-hmm. I can't wait to play ordeals as well. Those are so cool. Um, but maybe your shamans are something like that where they are, you know, chanting or, or doing a ritual of some kind. And once they've powered it up for a couple of turns, dumping your extra man into it, you get some kind of effect and that's kind of the end of it. Um, maybe they sacrifice themselves or something like that at the end of the the three or the two or whatever you want to do. Um, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but one of them is like some kind of shaman that's doing a summoning ritual and first he makes one goblin, then he makes or elemental, then he makes two elementals, then he makes three elementals, and he's done. Or maybe he makes one tiny elemental, then one medium-sized elemental, and then he sacrifices himself to make a giant elemental. Ooh. So your opponent's like, okay, he made a 1-1 one, one elemental, that's not a big deal. Oh crap, he made a 3-3 three, three elemental, that's a little worrisome, and I need to kill this now because he's going to make a 5-5 five, five token next turn if I don't. And it's all on like a you know two-mana 1-2. Yeah, or something like overcosted, and that like the mana cost would be like you know three or four to make a one one, and then the same to make a three three, and the same. So you have to invest a lot of mana over time, but it's something that you um, you're making a decision on, and you could either be playing the cards in your hand, or you could be doing them on you know may having your shaman make these tokens. You could have one that blue one that draws cards. You know, three mana draw a card, three mana draw a card, three mana draw a card, and some kind of sacrifice effect or something like that. Yeah, I would be down with that. And it kind of fits this theme of like they're performing this powerful spell. And yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it would be called. We'll put chant counters on them. We'll put chant counters on them. And then like, you know, the the effects and the cost would vary depending if they're at common or uncommon or rare or whatever. This one doesn't have to we'll be. We'll call it channeling because they're channeling the elements. Ooh, I like that. I really like that. Okay. Okay. Man, I feel like we could work for wizards. These are kind of cool ideas. Of course, these are the only two that I have right now. Um. <laughs> yeah, and that, that kind of does it for me. But we can stick channeling. We can ch- stick conscript in and then jam exploit and fuse as our returning mechanics. And we got a set. That's not bad. Maybe throw a plus one, plus one counter theme in there for green. 
Eh, that's overdone. That's in every set now. Like, let's let's come up with something new. Okay. One more mechanic, I think, or just 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 an idea for a mechanic. What would be something? I don't like discard effects. I don't like madness. I mean, madness was okay, but I don't want to like discard cards from my hand to get effects. I don't like thresholds in the graveyard. We could do something with the graveyard and that the the shamans are like reanimating the spirits of the dead to come back and fight for them. Um, Cause we've got like exploit to paint the empire is kind of the bad guys. And I, I always love a story where like neither side's really good or evil. There's just this conflict happening that we're getting to see. So we could do something with like maybe a minor graveyard theme in, in black. That's like, exiling dudes from the graveyard to get back one, one skeleton tokens. We haven't seen skeleton tokens in forever. And we were just talking about wanting to make tokens. Mm -hmm. Like it's always zombies. Forget about zombies. Maybe there is just a a small theme mechanic where, you know, maybe it's a named, maybe it's not a main and a named mechanic um, similar to the, it's be like the opposite of the ingest mechanic or not the ingest mechanic, the one that exploited the ingest mechanic. So you put things in void and then you took things out of void to do things. This yeah. would be more like more like put things in the graveyard and then consume them from the graveyard. We could call them consume, you know, creature enter, creature okay. enters the battlefield, consume a creature card from the from your opponent's graveyard, put a plus one plus one counter on it or get some kind of other effect. Ooh, so, I want skeleton tokens. Give me skeleton tokens. Sure. sure. So like uh, uh, what consume would it what was, two. You, you play this. If you consume a card, you get two skeleton tokens. Ooh, I like that. That would be like a uh, the Empire's death wagon. Yeah, and the the shamans like we got to reanimate the the fallen so we can keep fighting this war. Ooh, reanimate less reanimation and more just making skeleton tokens. Yeah, can we bring back regeneration? No, regeneration like has got to go. I don't. It's confusing. We'll have it'll be indestructible. You're right. Regeneration is a little confusing. I don't mind indestructible if there's enough exile effects. Um, or if there's other ways to interact with the creature, I actually, for all my criticism of Rizal, rivals, the uh, two white, white, two, two that has indestructible when it's attacking, I, I actually like that card because I can still burn it, right? I can still kill it with any spell. I just can't block it in combat. So it's mm-hmm. like a neat creature that you can put auras on, but it's not like, okay, they, they had Jade Guardian with one with the wind and I was a little bit behind and now I'm dead. It's more like, okay, there's three removal spells in my deck that I can draw to deal with, you know, this guy with a Mark of the Vampire. Let's get to him. Or maybe I can draw the one four five in my deck and just block it. Is You like blocking quite a bit. Is there anything we can do with blocking? Is there any mechanics that, uh, like, there was, there was Bushido on attacking, which was kind of annoying, and it made combat math really hard. I don't know if I liked it. Is there anything on blocking we could do? No, blocking already favors the defender. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to push blocking or you just get to infinite board stalls. That's All true. you need to do is just not push attacking so much. Like obviously attacking and blocking need to be a part of magic. I just want both of them to share a design space here. And I'm I'm not looking for things to like lead to infinite board stalls. I still want to have flyers in blue, white, maybe a dragon in red, you know, and, and a couple flyers in black, like, we still need to have some evasive creatures and I'm not opposed to, to menace so that there's ways for aggro decks to exist. Um, but I, I don't think we need to like reward you for blocking or super incentivize you for blocking or do a set full of defenders or you, you end up with like ridiculous board stalls. I, I don't want games to be over after turn 30. I just want to get to like turn nine often and still have meaningful decisions happening. I don't want to feel like I've lost the game on turn four or five. You know, like I yeah. may I may be losing the game, but I don't want to feel like, you know, oh, my opponent just bounced my last creature. Um, I get to play one creature against my opponent's four. Those are those snowball effects as well. But you're right. Board stalls can be kind of difficult. So I think one of the things that I would do is I would probably get away with the um, the higher toughness than power in a lot of like we see a lot of cards these days where they're like two threes or four fives or six sevens um, in which you you your opponent can attack into you like i have a i have a four five you have a four five nobody can attack here because we're trading zero damage for four on the next turn um but also cards like that lead to really good double blocks right if i have a three three and a four five and you have a four five you can't attack me and i can't really attack you either um and we just end up in these easy board stalls with one or two creatures so i would like to go away from that more 
square creature, square creatures, square power and toughness where the power and toughness is the same. Or if I'm going to have higher toughness than power, I think there needs to be a larger gap between them, kind of like the one seven in Ixalan or like a two four on the what's the dinosaur knight or the dinosaur uh, shaman, whatever it is in rivals. I think those are fine. Yeah. But go away from like the Ripjaw Raptor, like the four or five um, style of power and toughness is something that I think I would do. I don't mind green having one like green had a five mana four or five in uh, shadows and it was fine. And like in older formats, we've seen three fives in in white and sometimes in other colors. And they've been pre- pretty fair, fairly costed too. So like, I don't mind it. I just don't want the entire format to be, you know, all three fours and four fives, which mm-hmm. that's not going to be any fun. Mm-hmm. I think- so I, I like the idea of, of mostly square power and toughness. Like, you know, having a, a three mana four two is also not particularly great in a format. Because if you stumble just a little bit, and they're able to, you know, connect with it two times. You've taken eight points of damage. Like that's nearly half of your life total. And the, the game's starting to get out of control for you. And you're like, I, I have to use a decent removal spell on this. Cause I just, you know, I can't get to four mana and play my hill giant and trade with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in a format where you're going to have a lot of tokens running around too, right? You're going to want your base creatures that don't have special abilities to be a little more powerful, I think. So a four two does not fall into that. I think three mana three threes in green specifically um, would probably be the baseline for green. Yeah, that seems reasonable. And like two threes for everybody else, maybe a three two for red and and black potentially. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I feel like I could write a resume now. Yeah, you should have applied to this thing, man. All you got to do is move to America where there's freedom, and you know, give up your universal health care, and you're good to go. <laughs> this was fun though. I like thinking about these yeah. types of things like like when I was when I was a kid, um, we uh, in uh, in school, we had a business, um, small business for junior achievement. I don't know if you guys have junior achievement down there, but we designed a board game for the for the town that we lived in. And uh, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I dabble with designing video games here and there in my spare time. And and uh, I have friends that are board game designers. Um, so it's a lot of fun to think about these things. And I think magic is a good opportunity for that. On Reddit, there's like a magic, uh, custom magic subreddit, and they're always creating like custom sets and, and people are evaluating their cards and things like that. And it's a really cool community to follow. Um, so I think this is an interesting exercise. And I feel like, you know, I have an appreciation after going through an exercise like this of how hard it is to, to design a magic set. I mean, obviously like we just dumped a bunch of ideas, but there's going to be a bunch of holes in our ideas and and there's a lot of testing to go into it. And we have like, you have to design almost 300 cards, you know, when you're, when you're looking at your set. So I can go here and say like, yeah, I've got this great idea for a mechanic. You know, it's another thing to go and say, well, design 20 cards and then go design 24 because half of those first 20 are going to be terrible cards. And then you got to play test everything. There's a lot of work that goes into this stuff. There certainly is. I, I was a bit apprehensive with this initially as a topic, but I was quite surprised that that was fun. And like, once the ideas started flowing, we, we kind of, we, we built a thing. We built a thing. It's fun to mess around. I mean, we didn't build planeswalkers, but we certainly could have. You know, can we build a, a cooler planeswalker than Angrath? I'm not sure. Probably. Probably. I don't know. Have you seen his latest story? Uh, no, I oh. have not. He like basically tells the entire plane to to screw off. And uh, what is he? He said something about see and never suckers or something like that. It was it was just like so fourth wall, like breaking the fourth wall. Um, it, it was it was kind of funny for a magic story. Okay, perhaps I should give that another shot. Yeah, story wasn't great this time around, but but that little comment I think was was pretty funny. He was he was quite the character. He just wanted to go home. That's all yeah, I, I actually liked that as a as a character design. Is like this guy's not really here to do anything. He just wants to leave. I can respect that. That's how I felt when I was in sales. Like <laughs> I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go home. Just go home. Mm-hmm. So we got to name this set Revenge of the Empire. Uh, something of the empire, bar- barbarians, and something. Channeler's deceit. Ooh. It was one of the shamans that started this entire war by summoning an evil entity, and blah blah blah. And we'll work out a story later. Ooh, but and there's, there's, it's got to have something to do with Bolas, right? Like he's in there, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I can give you everything you want. I just need you to do this one thing for me." No, it was a bargain with Shieldred. Ooh. 
There you go. Now we're cooking. Now we're talking. Except now that means talking. that the, that means that like does that mean that the gauge watch, gate watch is going to be there? Like is Liliana going to be there and like all like of the veil? No, 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 no. To to ferry Jora and Karn, the planeswalkers are going to be there to 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 kind of try to figure out what's going on here because they know what a threat Phyrexia is to Dominaria. I'm I'm kind of done with the Jace watch. All right, that's fair. Sweet. All right, I hope I hope somebody wrote that down because because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember that for for the next time that uh, I'm working on a game or I get hired by Wizards or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board. Cool. I want to draft the set. <laughs> it sounds kind of fun, man. Can you imagine like first picking a a fuse card and then second picking a uh, one of those copy cards? The uh, what, what do we call conscript. it? Conscript. Conscript. And now you're like, man, I could go any direction here. And then you open up some fixing and like you build this four color monstrosity, splash a little exploit in there. Yeah, we're actually going to use Terramorphic Expanse over Evolving Wilds for flavor purposes. I like it. And then you can have both of them standard legal. Mm -hmm. Great. It needs a reprint anyway. (laughs) Yep. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. That was awesome. Uh, Homework for this week is design your own magic set. Design your own magic set or magic card. Put it in our put it in our world. Who knows? Maybe we'll get enough people that put it all together. We can come up with a custom set. Once again, thanks to Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com for all the all the support and the host. Travis, where can they find you this week if they want to come catch up? You want to check out me doing competitive rival single elimination drafts? You can find me on twitch.tv slash simulan. I'm also on Twitter under the same name. I am at uh, twitch.tv slash dcivilian and Twitter under the same name. Uh, hopefully I get to stream this week. It's been a busy week for me at work, but uh, we'll try to get back to it shortly. So hopefully we catch you there. Until next time. Bye.